1: Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. Bluenile.com code LISTEN.
2: It's Angel, and I was here with Tammy San for Tea with Tammy San. And I'm so happy that you had me on your show. Thank you.
0: Yo, guys! This is a fresh episode of Tea with Tay, and I have a super fantastic guest on my couch. She's a reality star, a businesswoman, an influencer, uh, a
2: podcaster, yeah, a writer.
0: Ri- We're well, the podcaster, I mean? <laughs> baby. We're working on this. I love it. My guest today is Angel of BB and Angel Smith of Big Brother Nigeria. Please put your hands together for my guest, the youngest to ever do it. How are you, baby girl?
2: I'm alright. Thank God. Finally on my couch. Yes, I'm so excited. Ah,
0: you look very well ready for this couch. <laughs> Are you ready to give me what I'm ready for? Yes, definitely. Okay, let's go. Let's talk about your life before BBN. Because mm. I mean, like, you clearly look like you grew up fast. And what was life like before Big Brother? Tell me about growing up.
2: Um, I think it was really chaotic growing up. You know, mm. I went to like the strictest missionary school. Mm. You know, the standard for, you know, education there was very high. I think our A was in 96 or in 97, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. And I also grew up with my granny because, you know, everybody knows my parents had me relatively early yeah. and my granny and I didn't really get along. So mm-hmm. I was out of the house once I was 17. I <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? I, at the time I had just gotten an admission into Unilag. Right. So I stayed in Unilag for two weeks and I was just like, yeah, no. So, I basically had to hustle by myself. I started writing for people, and they they would pay me like all these little breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. that I used to survive while being out of my granny's house. And Mm -hmm. I actually cannot remember how I navigated my life from there, but we thank good that we're here today.
0: I grew up with my granny too. Not like we got along every other time, but we really got along though. Why didn't you
2: get along with your granny? I feel like I'm not, like, the conservative Nigerian. Yeah. Like, the average Nigerian is pretty conservative, especially the women. Yeah. But I'm not a conservative person. My personality just clashes with, like, the Nigerian culture. And my personality used to clash a lot with my grannies who... Is a very strict Christian. Right. So we would clash often, you know, sh- and I was chapel prefect in my high school. <laughs> from year 8, actually. Because it was a missionary school? Yes. In Lagos here? Yes, Marywood. I was mm. a chapel perfect from year 8 till I graduated the school. So you're and a good girl? In, in some sense, yes. Yeah. I, I, I would like to think I am. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of like expression, yeah. not so much.
0: So they didn't understand
2: you? she didn't really understand me and she didn't understand like when I was struggling as well because like I said I didn't grow up with my parents Mm. and I don't think they realized how much that affected me growing up as a child and I had to be with my granny so you know I would say that I started experiencing like my you know mental health related issues like from when I was little like I started self-harming like when I was like 12 or something and I was already writing by then wow I'm gonna yes. come to your mental
0: health. Yeah. Um is she but let's about your parents.
2: Huh? Let's talk about your parents. Like
0: yeah. yeah. Why um, were you not in the picture? Why why did your granny have to raise you?
2: Well, my mom had me when she was like sixteen, I think. Sixteen or fifteen. And yeah, my granny my dad had me early as well. Yeah. So obviously my mom had to fend for herself and my parents weren't I mean, my dad engaged my mom (laughs) but like i don't know what happened i never asked Mm. they just broke up and you know it was hard my dad's family never wanted me Mm. um you know 2019 was when they died they never saw me like i don't know what they look like actually i I can't tell you what my dad's parents look like so um you know they had to fend for themselves they were still children as well while raising a child yeah so my granny just took me. My mom left Nigeria. She started living in Ghana. Mm. I can't really tell where my dad was at the time. Yeah. You know, I was a child. So everything is still pretty sketchy. Um, Yeah. I just had to be raised with my granny who was more reliable. And she had just come back from London by then. Mm-hmm. So she just raised me, basically. She was more, you know, up to the task. Yeah. Seeing as she had two kids of her own.
1: Yeah.
2: Let's talk about Unilag. I think
0: we both have experiences from Unilag, but I'm very interested in your own experiences from (laughs) Unilag.
2: Um, You know, I was in Unilag for only two weeks and I feel like I got like a lot of healing after Big Brother because after Big Brother, my granny apologized to me. My granny has never apologized to me before. Mm. But, you know, I struggled so much for those two weeks because when I got into Unilag was my, you know, first sexual assault experience. And, wow. you know, like that, I was still vividly, I can't remember his face. You know how your brain has a way of like wiping things that are so traumatic. Yeah, I can't remember his face, but like, I can remember one statement he made. He was like, um, you know, don't let me rape you. That's what he said. And at the time, like after that experience happened, like I just remember like moving through it and not telling anybody I'm pretending like it never happened. But um, it affected my school life so much. I always blamed it on not knowing what I wanted to do, you know, like when actually I've always been fully aware of what I wanted to do, you know, growing up. I went from You know, wanting to be a gynecologist, to be so good in English. I don't know if I can swear, what's he fucking? Yeah, you can swear. (laughs) To be so fucking good in English and so gifted in writing. And I used to win so many spelling bees Yeah. to knowing that this was my calling and just talking and writing was. So I knew what I wanted to do. But I just didn't do that thing because I had experienced something so traumatic and I didn't speak to anybody about it especially not my granny because i had so much shame Mm -hmm. no i didn't want to be blamed like oh yes if you didn't dress that way like maybe they wouldn't have done that because like knowing people that are like rapists and assaulters, it's not Mm -hmm. about your dressing it's about like a power play and you're the victim so i didn't tell my granny and i remember being so in my head and it's like they poured cold water on me because like Mm -hmm. i had come from a missionary school Mm -hmm. where you're program was aligned for you you ate six times a day
0: yeah
2: you had siesta you slept Mm -hmm. you woke up you went for classes everything was so you know secluded and you were safe even if like the school wasn't really the best in terms of Mm -hmm. like emotional everything and i had come from that to being so naive with life and how people can be how Mm -hmm. wicked they can be and you know it felt like somebody pulled a quote on me and I was just like, wait, this is actual reality. Like this is a story or countless stories that I've heard from people. And people tell me women, men, like, mm. oh, I was sexually assaulted. It was one of those things I didn't yeah. think could ha- ever happen to me. And when it happened, it was just so shocking that I didn't assimilate it properly. My grades started dropping. I stopped, you know, going to school. You know, I blamed it on not knowing what I wanted to do, but like, it was actually because of that experience. Yeah. Also having to do with the fact that I wasn't stable either because I had left home. So figuring that out while... Well, and you couldn't you know, speak
0: to anybody about it? You just sucked it up and kept it moving?
2: Yeah, because like I said, like I didn't want to be shamed for it. Yes. I grew up with a really strict granny. Yeah. And I'm so glad that she apologized because like, you know, coming out of Big Brother's house, we had like rifts here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, parents just like, when you grow up in like a toxic environment and you, you're you now grown and you're doing your own thing, they expect like you're just automatically supposed to be close to them. Yeah. So yeah. I came out of the house. I still wasn't close to my parents. I still wasn't close to my granny, you know, and then one time she sent me a van crying. I thought something bad had happened mm-hmm. and, you know, she just apologized. She was like, if you ever got, you know, sexually assaulted and I didn't listen all the times. And also I was scared to tell my granny because when my granny found out I was self-harming, she took me to a police station I was like 15 when she found out my school had called her. Yeah, she's going to the police station to sign that I would never do that. Something along the lines of that. I still have the documents. So like, there was so much fear and anxiety. Like, if I had told her this, it's like, come back, you know, self-harming. Yeah, let's come back. When? What age? I started self-harming when I was like 12. At the time, I didn't know I was why I was doing it. You know, like I would just see a blade, i would just cut myself. I was so I figured out why I was it, really, like, later in life. Were you unhappy? Were you, I mean... You, like I said, like, I grew up, like, you know, um, my parents are really, really young. Yeah. So I met my great-grand... my I met mean my great-grandma. Mm. And um, she was my favorite person in the world. Like, if mm. my granny would shout at me or yell at me, my great-granny would literally... If she was at home, she would mm. be there because she lived with us. Yeah. And she would just carry us from the madness. That's my brother and I. Yeah. And, um... She started getting sick. She had dementia. Yeah. So she went from actually knowing my name to not knowing my name. And I was so, so young. I remember being so young. We had, you know, my granny got a nanny and yeah. everything. And um, she didn't really like the nanny. I don't know why we let the nanny go. And then it had to be my brother and I taking care of my great granny. With my granny, mm-hmm. you know. She just slowly deteriorated. She called me her brother. She wouldn't remember my name or any of our names. She would pee Mm. on herself. You know, it was a lot to take on us. Like growing up, like Mm. she started getting sick when I was like maybe 10 or something. At the time, my brother and I didn't understand. So she would say things like off and we would just be laughing like, bro, what is wrong with this woman? Mm. I remember being 12 and researching it and just seeing like, oh, this person is forgetting you. And Mm. I had like a clearer knowledge of what was going on. And Mm. then she died when I was 15. But, you know, like I think it did take a toll on me. And I only realized how much it affected me because I have severe health anxiety, you know? Like, if anything is, like, mm. dislike, like slightly wrong with me, like, I'm so hyper-fixated, like, am I getting sick? Mm. Um. So, yeah, I think that costed. it, you know, like I said, I didn't really grow up in, like, the most convenient household. So I think that was, like, you know, my outlet. So I just cop myself for whatever reason. I still don't understand the logic of, like, self-harming. But I feel like maybe... You just want something that is in mm-hmm. your heart to hurt you. Like maybe if your brain focuses on your body being hurt mm-hmm. instead, like it would be like a temporary escape from like what is actually really going on in like your brain and your heart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't forget my name. <laughs> I'm just like, Yeah. Where do
0: I go from here? So let's come to your granny. So your granny finds out that you're self-harming mm-hmm. and she takes you to police
2: station station. what did that do for you it instilled fear that I already had I was so scared of my granny growing up and it's only now that we're trying to rebuild a relationship Mm. and sometimes I get so angry like myself for wanting to keep a distance but like you know I've told myself like I have to obviously take it easy you know it's not an easy step but like instilled a lot of fear Mm. you know Going to Big Brother, I was so surprised at how willing I was to talk about the things that I was struggling with. Mm. Before, you know, I had a boyfriend that Mm. that was my first ever boyfriend. Mm. And before, like, something would be going on with me and my boyfriend would ask me, like, what's wrong with Angel? And I would just be like, oh, nothing. Just give me time. I'll be fine. I never wanted to speak about it. But it did a lot for me. You know, fear, shame, Mm. anger, hurt. Sadness Because I so deeply wanted somebody to ask me how I was when I was growing up. Nobody ever asked me how, how I was doing. I was always in a constant state of something. Like, something was mm. off and I was struggling so bad. Yeah. And I used to journal until, you know, my school banned journaling
0: yeah. for
2: whatever reason, bro. Like, Nigeria is so weird. <laughs> And they said we could not journal anymore. We're not allowed to bring journals into the school, actually. Mm-hmm. They would search your bags and everything. And I used to journal. That was my outlet. And my self-harming just got worse when they said we, could, we had to stop journaling. So I just wish that someone asked me, like, yo, are you okay? Yeah. Nobody ever asked me that. I actually even remember in high school when one of my friends had found out that I was self-harming and she was like, are you a white girl? And I excuse us (laughs) with teenagers, and teenagers are pretty harsh and naive. But for me, I didn't take it lightly because it was like I'm the same age as you, and you can't tell me that I'm more emotionally more like more emotionally aware than you are. So I just I was hurt, and I was sad, and I was ashamed, and I was Mm -hmm. so scared that you know, like I was going to wake up one day and I would be done with it, and you know nobody would. Care care, yeah. About, like, what was going on with me? So sorry. Thanks. I mean, for your granny, I mean, like, so I understand that.
0: Do you sometimes think that, you know, I mean, now that you're older, like, maybe that's the only way she knew how to raise her grandchild because she had a child. She probably had your mother early. Mm-hmm. She had to look out for your great granny, yourself, and everybody. She probably, that's the only way she probably knew how to raise.
2: Yeah. Children. I think I started forgiving her after a big. No, before Big Brother, I actually started, you know, my forgiving journey. And mm-hmm. that was because I knew that she too had passed through so much trauma mm-hmm. that the way that she raised me was the only way she knew how to. Yeah. So I don't fault her for it. Yeah. I mean, I wish it was better and we had a better, yeah. better understanding, but I don't fault her for it. I've actually forgiven her and I've seen it from her logic because, you know, she took on so much as well. Yeah. You know, having a daughter that had me early... Having to come back from London Mm. to take care of, you know, her grandchild and then having to take care of her mother as well. Can't fault her for, you know, maybe being angry and paranoid and anxious. Mm. I do understand like where all of that was coming from.
0: Amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm happy that you're in a better place now. It's It's just crazy. So you left Unilag at 17. You got into Unilag at 17? Yeah. So you left after two weeks after the assault.
2: I didn't leave. I was still around the premises, but I never went for classes. Yeah.
0: After two weeks, like does a lot of us. I'm not gonna go into it, but (laughs) (laughs) But I want to know what you were doing after uni. all the time that you all all those times where you were not going to classes up until Big Brother. What was that phase? What was happening with you? You had a boyfriend at the time who passed, Mm -hmm. right? I just want to talk about that phase. What happened? Actually, didn't
2: have my boyfriend until I was 18, December-ish. Yeah. Um, but we started dating officially when I was 19. Mm. I don't know what I was doing. Or maybe my brain has wiped it off. How were you surviving? Did your girl know you were out of school? No, nobody she- knew I was out of school. <laughs> until, you know, my mom had asked. And I just was like, let me finally admit that I was out how, of school. How,
0: how long did she ask? After I mean, How long after school did she ask? How long after leaving school did she ask
2: Actually, I don't remember the timeline. We had parents where we actually did not use to talk because she, she was doing stuff. Yeah. So maybe it took a longer hour before she was like, Oh, Angel, how is school? And I was just they like, when I like dropped out. Whoa,
0: must have killed her.
2: <laughs> not really. I give my parents, you know, props for being somewhat understanding and chill so when i told her that she asked me why and i obviously did not tell her what happened i was just like oh i don't think i was doing the right course Mm. and then she just enrolled me in like a foundational program for me to go to the uk but i I dropped out of that as well why (laughs) um i feel like a lot of it has to do with you know actually not knowing my direction and what I wanted to do. And that also played a part. Mm. And also like every other thing that had happened, my brain being so, like everything was happening and COVID happened, you know, that's also dulled my morale because 2019 and everything had entered, you know, I'd enrolled into the program Mm. foundation and everything. I was meant to run my exams 2020, the next year then COVID happened, you know, so much was happening and it's just like, yeah, I'm not even doing something I want to do anyways. Mm. And I also think it had to stem from going to a high school where you had to be smart by force and obviously, like if you're in school, you have to do well. Yeah. But like, theirs was at the expense, like you you got your smartness from shame. That was how the high school was made in the wow. sense where, okay, we had continuous assessment tests. We had two in one term, if I remember correctly. If you filled three subjects upwards, you had a stay-back order. And because, I don't know if you know Louisville, but like Marywood is the Lagos one and everything. You know, Marywood was a public I school.
0: Went to school
2: I Okay, Marywood was a public school before. Mm-hmm. And then the Catholics came and they reformed it. Yeah. And it became a private school. Yeah. So, my set was the second set. There was just one set above me. Yeah. Um. So you got into that score, and the A was 96. I mean, Louisville standard 96. is always high. In 96 or a 97, if I remember correctly. How many people were
0: getting 96?
2: Not a lot of people were getting 96. So you could see maybe an 80-something at the end of the term. And in other schools, this was obviously fucking a fucking A. Yeah. But you're seeing something like a B or even a C, depending on the type of 80, something you get. And you made it feel some different Yeah, so if it's like 82, then it's like, what are you doing? It's not even the grade that makes you feel a type of way, because obviously you have friends in like other schools, and you hear the results, I know you're doing better than them. It was a shame, because we were so small, we had something called a results assembly. Right. So they would call your results out in front of everybody. So it's a thing of, Angel, you failed three subjects, and...
0: And now your failure line, maybe like C or D. Yeah,
2: and everybody, because in continuous assessments, your your fail was 6-6. Six, six. So you needed a 6.1 over 10 to pass a subject. So you say you failed three subjects and then stay back or that, that's what comes after. So when your mates, because it's a strictly boarding school, when your mates are going home, you stay back in school. So there's this like shame and fear mm. of like maybe your genius hearing your results. Mm. So you want to overachieve and yeah. overwork and overexert yourself, mm. even though you know you're trying your hardest. Mm. And when you graduate from that school, you come out as such a robot. Yeah. Because there were other there were so many other rules. You couldn't come out without your handkerchief. You couldn't come out without your wristwatch. If you came out without these things, they warranted you getting punished. You know, you'd go work in the kitchen or you garden or something like that. Mm. You know, your shoes, everything. Like, it was just so strict. The military camp. Yes, yeah. like, I think you come out of that school and your brain is just over-performing. And it's normal if you just feel tired. Because you've yeah. gone, especially if you went through the whole six years, yeah. you've gone through six years of, th- of this rigorous training. Mm. If you come out and school is just so exhausting, I don't I don't actually blame anybody who went to that school because it's like, yeah, I've actually pulled a lot of work. Yeah. Especially when they divided our classes. So year <laughs> nine, you know, you were writing work. Like, so they divided the classes into Rose, Lily, and Ivy. So those were in Ro- that were in Rose were those that were not that smart. Those that were in Lily were the average ones. Wow. And those that were smart were in Ivy. Me that was in Ivy... I didn't even think I needed to be there. All my friends <laughs> that I liked were like scattered amongst the classes. And yeah. for me growing up, it was so necessary because we actually work better together. Why did you need to divide us into... So basically, yeah. they were telling
0: you guys that this is a class for the smart people.
2: Yes, like the the those Freddy of us that were in Ivy. And the dumb ones. Yes, so imagine being in Rose and feeling so... Oh, so the people in Rose knew that they were dumb because of the group. they announced it they were like oh so by splitting the classes into Rose Lily and Ivy (laughs) if you're in Ivy it means you're doing well if you're in Lily it means you're not doing that well if you're in Rose it means you need to work hard that's let's just say that's how they put it so yes if you're not that smart or if you're not doing academically well they'll put you in Rose Lily for those that were average and then Ivy and the competition in Ivy was so tough for us Mm. because she could be downgraded that's another thing so, like, the next CAT would come, and if you flopped in that CAT, they would downgrade you to Ivy.
0: So, is it that crazy? If I'm <laughs> in that class, I won the year. Uh, yes, so enrolled. I was
2: in Ivy overperforming, like... What kind of mental torture is that? It was torture. So, when people tell me you're smart, like, I'm just like, oh, yes, but at what cost? It came at an expense of me being hyperly fixated on everything, at the expense of my social life. Because, like, instead of me to be socializing... And because it was strictly all girls, like Mm. if they saw you you hanging out too much with a particular girl, it just became something else. Right. And now they're telling you, you can no longer be friends with that person. Like I had a best friend, her name was to me, they separated us. Like they didn't want us to be friends because this is my best friend. But it was weird to them, you know, it was a crazy system. And all my friends in high school that I still speak to, talk about how it caused us like so much trauma because imagine me and (laughs) you're competing for I want to stay in this IV class. Let my parents not think that I'm one of those, yeah. which is just honestly weird for children that are what, 14, you know, 15. You know,
0: now that, I mean, we're growing older, we just realize that some people have like learning disabilities. Some people mm-hmm. catch on faster. Yes. That doesn't necessarily mean that the people who are in that class IV class. Make because-
2: for me that had ADHD, it was chaotic. Yeah. Because like with ADHD, at the time I didn't know what I was struggling with I just found I had ADHD two months ago
0: yeah or so at the time, explain to my audience what HD, ADHD means
2: it's kind of it's like disorder right uh, yes it's yeah. an attention deficit something I don't know like the yeah. yes hyperactivity disorder yeah. so um, it has like it's it's not one spectrum yeah there are some people that have ADHD and they're like high achievers like they're overachievers, and there's some people that their attention span is so tiny and That's I happen so to fall that spectrum. <laughs> I happen to fall into that spectrum where like the attention span is so tiny yeah. for friendships for anything growing up I just thought maybe I had like a social problem Yeah. but finding out that actually I have ADHD just makes so much sense so yeah. it was war for me in school yeah. like I struggled with school so much but like i couldn't open my mouth and be like oh i'm struggling let them not come and say i'm dumb because like i know i'm not dumb it's just like my attention so like being in that ivy class i had to put in more work than people thought i was putting like my friends would think oh she's playing she doesn't read or everything but like i happened to do better i actually did not used to read in school because i could not fully like focus on that so like every other thing like passing my tests and everything I had to listen in class, even though people thought I was just joking or like thing. Mm. I got my knowledge from just sitting down and listening to yeah. what's... And even that was a task, you know, I had to always tell Force myself, and like, you have to actually focus on this. Mm. So being in that Ivy class was war because like, you're with all these other people that maybe want to go into sciences and mm. you, you're you there knowing that your own forte is in literature yeah. and in English and in the arts, but you're packed to people that want to go into science so class, you and and them, I uses, like, yeah. so you have to compete for your stay in that Ivy class.
0: i <laughs> stupid. Like back in secondary <laughs> school, they actually made science people feel like they were the shits. And we <laughs> the art people were, were they don't know how hard be, it is to be a crazy. I'm boy. like, you're crazy. I'm saying, <laughs> hey. he I think in school, that's my even my granny taught I was going to be an engineer. Took me to I wanted class. to be a gynecologist like me and yeah <laughs> that my life is so cut cruise you want to so cut cruise to this level where you, you make it a career yeah I, I don't think they respect the and i think that secondary school should fi- fix that because look at what's happening in the world today I and to i also feel number.
2: like suppressing some of the sciences is so dumb that's yeah. why so many people grow up and they don't know shit about shit it's like you're an art student, take only arts. Like yeah. let's have a bit of everything, which is like kind of like the system abroad, you know, like some art students say chemistry mm. or something. Know something. I, I know? also
0: feel like a lot of people who are in the business of education should not even be in the business in the first place. That's just, true. Because like, a lot of us a lot of us are traumatized from secondary That's school. True. Most of our yes. trauma was from secondary because school.
2: Because why was why was I debating boys are better than girls in high school? Why was that <sighs> a topic? Why was farmers are better than teachers? Mm. Prove yes or no. Why? Now like,
0: they know who said it before.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's why I feel like there's so much classism in Nigeria yeah. because, like, somebody's like, oh, I'm a teacher, and someone's like, yeah, that's a dignified job. And then someone else comes, like, I'm a farmer. And it was just like, farmer kid. Like, farmer, we get money past. Exactly. exactly. No when it's actually these just people that in to... agree that the fucking shit yeah. is, strange. The boys and girls conversation still pisses me off t- t- today. Because, like, I remember the boys are better than girls. Go against this, go for this. Why is that, a was topic? that? Was that
0: an actual debate topic? That
2: was an actual debate topic.
0: Boys are better than <laughs> girls.
2: Boys are better than girls. Say yes, why they are, or say no.
0: Oh, yeah. like, go let's, against this. Yeah, boys are better than <laughs> girls. your <Okay, we> <laughs> why are girls better than boys?
2: I don't think anyone is uh, better than anyone. Of course I'm I joking. Th- <laughs> <laughs> Of course I'm joking. It was just nerve-wracking, honestly. There's so much that has to be done in the educational sector in Nigeria. Those debate topics are horrible. Wow. I think that... When I talk to people like that
0: are around my age or even a bit older, I just realized that all of us went through the same things, like through the same trauma, through the same... I'm just wondering, who's going to fix our system? Like, if you know the first time I was speaking to that, that secondary school messed up like this
1: mm-hmm.
0: didn't mess you up but I mean like went through it in you secondary school me. I went through it in, in Unilag a bit of yeah. secondary school but I feel like Unilag was my major
2: mess up era it was I, up I was rope.
0: getting trolled at Love Guardian.
2: oh I remember Love ah, such a nasty place
0: <laughs> like I, I I actually don't go to Unilag because I don't want to pass through that Love Garden. it just reminds me of all the things I have that,
2: so much PTSD like if I'm yeah. ever around yeah but I can't remember the last time I was ever around here, yeah. yeah, but like there was this time I came out of big brother, and I don't know what led me there. I think I needed to braid my hair or something. Yeah. And I has King Salon was just like five minutes, like, walk, yeah, from you. Know, like, and you brought back so much. I swear,
0: PTSD. They had called me for, for an award or something. I, I I said yes initially, but I just, after a while, I was like, No, I, really, I saw this
2: TikTok where they were like successful, in really <laughs> like accidents, And I was like, Do not <laughs> do it, don't do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't, oh, our lives, you like, will be fine, but you like actually helped me a bit but it They're broke, kind of it broke me it broke me educational wise let's talk about going into the house so this time when you were not in school mm-hmm. you were probably not employed at the time did you think that Big Brother was the next thing for you to just was the next option for you because a lot of people say that oh yeah and I should not get work like this it's not Big Brother be I mean the next thing mm-hmm. but why did you go to Big Brother was it because you didn't have any other option after or because it was something that you are actually looking for
2: for me, it's it was a thing of you know when all your life you have just looked for like the tiniest bit of serotonin to like keep you going. <gasps>
0: my sister just so much English. Uh, the, it? Oh yeah, the, the tiniest, tiniest bit of like
2: my... da, um, like excitement. I like know. you just need that boost in your brain. So like I said, like okay, yeah, went for Big Brother twenty twenty one. We we're all back in mm-hmm. COVID then and everything. And I had just dropped out from like, you know, foundation mm-hmm. at my school. And I just said to myself, I sat down one day and I was like, what next? Because mind you, at this time, I wasn't, you know, still living with my granny. I was still, you know, going from like, you know, one place to the other. I was still writing for people and just getting like small. Well, so you
0: paid, you paid rights at the time.
2: Yes, like, I used to write for people. What like, kind of writings were you doing? They did? needed, like, assignments, John. Ha! Ah! me, like, English assignments. Oh, you lack students? I was a hustling
0: lady. No, so be you hustling on. So doing assignments for people in school?
2: I was a hustling. No, not in school. Like, I had come out of school now, and I needed something. So, like, I used to have, I used to be on countless GCs, you know, sometimes. Wow. So I would network and everything, and then people needed, like, their English or literature. They just had an assignment. Even secondary school students. Like, you know, their parents would pay me. To write for you know homework or just read through it, how hustling lady that's how I went by day to day. <laughs> so, you would make money off writing just off, but writing. you were not in school. I was in school, so you were that smart. I am that smart. I love it. I feel like people underplay me a lot, but yes. I'm a fucking weasel. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, that you got you got by by, yeah, those. I got by you know by writing and you know, 2019, I obviously lost my boyfriend. So wow, a lot. Going back to school for me felt actually too soon. I hadn't grieved properly because I entered school in August. My boyfriend had died in June. So I'd how long did you guys date for? Still, we had. If I include the talking stage, maybe like a year. You know, oh, but the no like, was talking stage. Actually, still no. Like I mean, like if I include the talking stage, a how year, long we were the actually stage? dating? We were talking for like six months. Jesus,
0: I beg jail. Now, so you wanted a gay boyfriend for this Lagos.
2: talk it six months. Like I said, like my attention span <laughs> affects like a lot of things. So like, you know, he would always be the one doing most of the work, six you know. It's months. like, Angel, like, let's make this work. And I grew up so scared of people yeah. loving me. Yeah. Just so because like people actually think I'm a hard guy. I'm not a hard guy. I'm so soft. Uh, Tell me about it. I have to actually be protect, a hard guy and yeah. protect that and bubble because up, yeah. I'm so scared of being hurt. Yeah. And even worse, because like before then, I had so many men to see me, like, you mm-hmm. know, you're just fresh out of high school. You have it all these be stupid perverts. No, yeah. You have the ones that your age mates, you know, then they are now untouched. <laughs> so like, never been touched? Men are so like, oh, wow. This is a visionary, you know, fresh meat. <laughs> so... I have people to see me. I just did not let them get to that level. Mm. So it was my boyfriend. Six months he was talking to me and Joe please now, please. Aww. And I finally agreed. And then, as the universe, I don't know if it's the universe that we did, but like he died in June, what, and what, that was was he sick? What happened? Six months of dating. No, he actually just ex. I feel like he was like deuces because like the day before he was like, "Oh, we're meant to see the next day," you know. He was like, oh, I can't wait to see you in the morning and everything. And I love you. This was by like 11 p.m. And then his brother calls me. First of all, I would like to say that I was talking to his brother first. If I met him. Angel, angel. <laughs> I was talking to his brother is... and everything. And then I met him and I just asked his brother. Just I'm like, yeah, this person this the fits. Yeah.
0: There
2: was just like a connection, you know. And I knew I was going to get connected to him. That's why I kept on running away. Um, So, you know, like the next day his brother calls me and it's like, I'm thinking of oh, maybe he's coming to pick me up with, you know, Victor. And then Matthew is like, oh, that, um, from the tone of his voice, I was just like, what happened to Victor? But like, I was not expecting a, he has died. I, yeah. I was expecting a
0: sick, or sick
2: has, or something. And it's like, he didn't wake up. And I remember like the breath leaving my body because it's like, oh my God, I've watched all those things like romantic movies yes. that always end up sad. Like this person has cancer or something yes. chaotic. And, My imagination was just like, this would never happen to me. I do know the funny thing is, I did not process that information that day. Because that day, I went out to drink wine. (laughs) And I have videos of me, like, you know, making videos. Something makes sense. Spoke to him the night before. Yes, like, making videos normally. Like, that night, I went out. I was outside. Like, I was in the club. You know, like, I was having the time of my life. And they told me this in the afternoon. The night, I was clubbing. And then the next day, in the morning, I woke up and I texted my boyfriend. I was like, how are you, baby? No reply. And I called Matthew. And Matthew is like, Angela, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, wait, let's chill. And it just felt like the breath in my body had left me because like I clung onto him so much because it felt like, you know, God had finally like, you balance blessed well. me with someone that I did not have to explain myself to. Mm. Like, Victor could see me doing something and he just knew, like, this is why you're doing it. And I don't think I have healed <laughs> from that. Not in the sense where, oh, I'm still grieving. In the sense where, in my mind, I still feel like I'm never going to find someone that would ever get me like that. And when I tell people I don't want to get married, they just always like, oh, it's not picking that's worrying her, mm. or this or that. But there are two things. One, I genuinely feel like he was my soulmate. And two,
1: I also feel like
2: if I ever, you know, I'm looking for like the right wording. Mm. Let me think about it. When I tell people that I don't want to get married, they think because she's a hard girl and she doesn't love anybody. But, like, in reality, like, I'm actually shielding myself yeah. from experiencing a level of vulnerability. I know that's mm. what my brain is doing. Because, of course, like, I want to be loved and I want to love back. But I feel like I've let this, like, one person and in this is what happen- and this is what happens. Of course, I want to get married and have the time of my life with, like, someone that loves me and I don't have to explain my existence mm. to, that just sees me. But, like, Every time I get close to somebody, my brain just actually goes into default and it's yeah. like, nope, Angel, just next. Nope, that's what I
0: also think, right? So you can look at it from this angle. What if God gave you Victor to let you know that you can be loved? Somebody can actually love you like that?
2: It's also a thing of then, why did, why the fuck did you take him Like, it's well, one thing for you to tell us, okay, oh Angel, break up, you no. know? It's another thing for you to be like, yeah, we're going to wipe him from the surface. No, of but the if earth. Victor
0: came and saw through you and was your guy, shows that somebody can mm. come again and just, be that person so i understand the vulnerability of not even it's just a lot of vulnerability because this is the one time that you finally opened up to love somebody and Mm -hmm. it was gone so i understand but then again think about it maybe god actually brought him to show you that you know what girl you can actually be love love
2: i've actually experienced love again i mean like before i went into big brother like i had like foresight and he's actually like the sweetest person after Victor that I've ever missed if not on the same part actually mm. it was so sweet to me but it just couldn't work for whatever reason and that's why in my brain I just think that okay maybe my soulmate has actually died and I'm just <laughs> destined to be Calling too, there's
0: so many soulmates that you miss before say, you die
2: say no. I, mean, I, I don't think so Sha. maybe friendship soulmates because I like to categorize my soulmates into like I haven't found my friendship soulmates maybe I will find but like my soulmates like someone that is the love of my life mm. I don't know like you said I'm still 22 so it maybe you find.
0: okay let's talk about your life in Big Brother so no let, let's talk about I usually like hearing the audition stories right uh, so what tell me about auditions and getting to the house
2: it was chaotic so you know like I had just been like you know I need a boost like something to just distract me so I remember my mom I didn't know what I I didn't want to go for Big Brother when the auditions came out my mom was like you know that the auditions Big Brother I've come out go now and I was like no I I'm- had your mom actually wanted to go but sh- she couldn't get in she wanted to go but she didn't do it like oh, she okay. said she never got to actually audition so she she was she- just all those things you know when you say something like oh yeah mm. I want to go for Big Brother but you actually never go to like do it so she was like yeah I want to go and she actually never went she mm. was having the time of her life yeah. in Ghana so my mom was like you know the auditions have come out like go and look at the the you know website mm. and everything I was like, ah, why would I go for a big brother? I should, like, go, see. If anybody gives you baths, bath, give them a bath.
0: <laughs> I love your mother, by the way. <laughs> I have to She's
2: such a fucking icon. Ah! I love her so much.
0: Like, so, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Before we get into the story, because you just talked talk about your mom now. Yeah. Did, you, did your relationship with your mom get better
2: over time? Um. Yeah, it did. Because, like, I could just see my mom was me, honestly. And of, like we have actually come such a long way mm. from generational trauma. She yeah. herself didn't grow up with my granny. You mm. know, my granny was in London and she was in Nigeria. She mm. had to grow up with an aunt that treated her so badly, mm. which was why she had me. Yeah. You know? um, That's why I would get so upset. Like when people throw me online, I don't care. But like when people throw my mom, it gets to me and I always have to remind myself to not reply mm. because it's like, this woman has gone through so much for me. I went to a high school where our fees were up to a million. And my mom paid that fucking shit every month. I uh, sorry every year for six years as Shout a out single to mother by she, That's her name, right? Yes. Shout out to It's like, I give her so much accolades for the shit that she did for me. Even though like, in terms of like emotions, she wasn't really like a stronghold, you know, to lean on. But in terms of making sure that my schoolwork was done, and I used to be the friend that people would come to in high school. Like if they needed something, they had run out of toiletry or anything, it would be me. I had a bag of glitter pens, you know. I was artsy. She like provided for you. She provided for me as a single mom. Yeah. From when she was sixteen, I wore the best clothes. Yeah. I wore rough and tumble growing up as a fucking child. Come on, now. I drank Serelac like <laughs> as a single mother. Like I give yeah. her props, and I get so upset when people drag her because you know she's. So so young and you know she does tiktoks and she's online and people don't understand that she's doing those things because she was a child raising me she didn't have the time to, to experience mm-hmm. those things and do the things that her people that did not did, have yeah. kids were doing you know clubbing and all of that yeah. so if i see my mom clubbing me now I mean her DM's like, yes girl, you go. Because yeah. like you spend so much time as a child. I grew up with you basically. Yeah. There's not too much of a gap between my mom and I'm in mean, my twenties, she's in her thirties. So, you know, I grew up with her. So I go 24, 25. So when people come and they're trolling her, I'm just like, please leave that woman alone to enjoy her life. Mm. You know, let her do her TikToks in peace. Let her be online in peace. If she wants to Comment on that Insta blog. (laughs) Let her go and comment on that Insta blog because she didn't experience those things. You you know,
0: for people like us, my mom had me at 16 as well, Mm -hmm. right? You don't realize how much they were still growing. Now that I'm 25, by the time I was 10, my mother was 26. Even though she made all the terrible decisions, I'm just thinking about like, at 26, you even have your life figured out? How will you raise a child? You're probably just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out your your own shit. And if your mom did all these things to still make sure that you had a decent life at least Mm -hmm. yes because like i'm
2: 22 now and i'm still figuring shit now yeah she was 22 and she was paying school fees i went to like i said i had the best things i was never hungry Mm. never grew up hungry went Mm. to the best high school went to the best like i never actually saw suffering growing up i traveled to see my mom like Mm. when she would travel so it means that she was pulling so much weight because I'm 22 yes. so soon now. And I can't imagine having a child at this age. Like, I uh-huh. don't take care of myself. So I can't yeah. imagine the work she puts in. Yeah. So like, yes, props to her. Like, when she creates her TikToks, like leave her alone to create those TikToks. She's having the time of her life. Let Titi be. Auntie let Titi. Yes, let my mommy be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good one. I, I, I'm, re- I'm happy that you guys have worked on your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So big brother. Yeah.
2: So yes, my mom was like, if anybody you saw, saw them back. You know, my mom is more fierce than me. I would like to attribute it to she being an Aries. People don't believe in Zodiac science. But I like,
0: believe in... What's a Zodiac?
2: I'm an Aquarius. Yeah. My mom is an Aries. I feel like that's why our personality is kind of conflicted a little mm-hmm. bit. She's more, you know... Aries I mean, are very strong
0: yes, to <laughs> you and fast Yes. me, so. I'm just
2: there like, Mommy, chill. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, go for Big Brother and everything. So I'm like, okay. Just going to do it and see how it goes. I mean, I'm looking for a boost somewhere. Were you surprised when they picked you? I definitely was because like I had just turned 21 in February. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people don't believe my age, actually. I don't know why. But I had just turned 21 in February. So I was just doing it for the heck of it. And then I got to the first stage and there's so many stages. And I'm always so alarmed when people say that we pay. I wish I paid. I went through so many stages of doubt. And you know when you're like already knee-deep in it and it's like, after all of this, if I, they don't pick me, it's going to be a wall. Yes. So first stage, come. Calm. They pick me, second stage, calm. They pick me, third stage, calm. They pick me, fourth stage. I wait, actually, and I'm waiting. Mm. S- some, something finally comes. And then we go to all the stages. After that, obviously, you do your medicals and everything to make sure you're safe. You, you got some, med- oh, of course, you got some medicals. Yeah. And yeah. then the final stage, they send us like this meal. You have to get something by this time, by this time. If you don't get it, it means you're not going. So they gave us a time frame. Mm. Like, let's say they said four to six. If you don't get your invite, you're not mm. going. But they shall send, in that mail, they also set you the things that you need to pack. Mm. So, you know, I had packed my stuff and everything. You know, I had packed myself with Forsythe. He was the one that was dropping me on my interviews and everything. Who's Like, the person I was talking to that I said that I'd found love somehow. Like, oh, that's his name. His name is Forsyth. Yeah. Like. Not Forsyth For, like, F O R E and S-Y-T-H-E. No, the same
0: thing, but yeah.
2: So, <laughs> um, you know, they gave us a time frame, and I didn't get mine. So I'm I'm I'm, pack, I'm packing my stuff and everything, and then at that time I was I remember going to church so frequently because I so desperately needed like stability or something mm. in my life mm. to just give me the X factor, mm. you know. I was just just the way, but And then God, d- the devil decided to test me of during that period. Try my mom got so sick. We had to fly her back to Nigeria. So during the interview process, I was taking care of my mom. She didn't remember me. And it just brought like so much like PTSD from like my great granny. granny. So it was like, oh, is this happening again? Again. So we brought her back and everything. We are having the interview. We're going through that process and everything. And then I had gone, I was so close to God then. I had gone to church and I was like, this is what is happening in my life. I don't know what's next. Like if actually, if they actually pick me, then like who's going to take care of my mom? Like Mm. I can't obviously leave her to my granny and everything. So much doubts. And then my mom got better for some reason. We thank Mm. God she got better. But like during that period, while she like, she was still struggling and everything, they didn't send me, you know, my meal on time. And then I remember going to church that day. And I was just like, by this time, my mom was getting better. I was just like, maybe my mom was going to get sick again. Maybe that's why I didn't, you know, get, get kicked it, yeah. or anything. So I would just stay and take care of her. And I remember going to church and everything. And I went back home, you know, I drove back home to Forsyth. And Forsyth was just like, just check, just check that. I was like, no, like, they already said mm. that this is the time frame and everything. And I remember, like, a voice just telling me, check your mail. And I checked my mail and I refreshed it, nothing was there. And I refreshed again just for like posterity. Mm. And then I saw my meal there. And I remember cutting for sight and packing my fucking shit <laughs> so fast. Mm. And I zipped my box. I was like, yes, bitch! Finally. <laughs> I got in. Mm. And then I remember crying so hard because it was like, I just needed something, yes. you know. Yes. And then we had the whole lockdown process. And then I got in. Mm. And I remember. Looking at the house, because I used to know about Big Brother. My granny was such a fanatic of Big Brother. You know, there was Big Brother Africa. I had even met Kevin. There was one Kevin that won. I don't know if it was BBA or something. Kevin Palm. I think I was so small, tiny. I had met Uzi as well. Like I was so tiny, and finally you're here. I entered inside the house, and it was a full circle moment. I was like, wait, I watched Uti on this fucking show. And the colors were so bright. You know, the house was so it's so beautiful. It was so yeah. bright and it was so colorful. And it was a lot coming from that place. And I feel like they did that on purpose because we came from such a gloomy place for lockdown to just being hit. And I was the first girl to walk in. Crazy! A major fuck kids, to those boys for the prank they pulled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when I walked in, I was like, "Hey, there was, a chance. I was like chance!" Oh and my God, <laughs> reality TV. And I remember it being so wow, like. Yeah full circle moments. What did you expect the house to be and what did, what
0: did you, what did it sorry, let me say that again. What did you expect the house to be and what did, did it eventually become to you? Did it miss your expectations or were
2: you, first of I, all, I like to say that I miss Biggie, like the person, himself, so much that on some days I actually cry mm-hmm. and on some days I actually regrets not telling him big brother I'm going to fuck you miss you so much mm. I wish I had said that because I do miss him you know I feel like in the midst of all of that confusion in the house mm. like there was just always big brother that's good so and I know a lot of people say that he likes me <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot because there's like a lot of biggest baby going around and mm. I'm just like well we thank God for that you know and I feel like he was actually my friend and I just wish he would you would show his face He guys to talk a lot We used to talk and I didn't know what else was going on with the housemates. But when I came out to people actually calling me like, you know, Biggie's baby and everything, I was like, oh, maybe we actually had a friendship. Maybe that's why I miss him this Mm. much. Because obviously I go in there knowing that I'm never going to know who this person is. I'm never going to see who this person is. So I'm just attached to like this voice. So going into Big Brother. Um... Would I say met my expectations? I would say not really, but also kind of, in the sense where I have actually gone through this world, and I know I'm just 22. And people tell me you're just 22, but like I have gone through this world, knowing or realizing that I actually do not fit in, like in in a in a place where there are like 20 people, it's me. It's a soft thought. That is probably just the one sticking sticking out. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that's a lot in the house. But I tried not to show that in terms of like my friendship. Because I knew that if I had shown that, it would be a thing where it would actually ruin my stay in the house. And I wanted to enjoy the experience for what, you know, it was. So coming outside of the house, you know, there were so many people that I liked and I'm such... Sorry, let's come back. What were the things that made you feel like you were sticking out? First of all, like I said, I'm not the average conservative Nigerian. Yeah, And I remember saying, you know, some the the perception people have of me is that, oh, I'm probably, you know, around and like, Mm. you know, I like to date multiple people at the Mm -hmm. same time. When in actuality, I'm such a lover's girl Mm. and I just avoid that space and I'm actually a loner. Like, I don't talk to anybody even now being in danger, which is bad and I'm trying my best to actually come out of that shell and socialize but in actuality, I'm such a to-myself girl. Yeah.
1: So, I have
2: grown up with people stereotyping me. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, appearance. You know, even sometimes, people would tell me, oh, you're so cool. You're cooler than I expected. And I'm like, I know I'm not giving anybody an image of me being weird or rude mm. or anything. I think I actually show how sweet I am, especially in Big Brother's house. Like if I, people decided to focus on the things in there to be focused on, mm. people would see how sweet mm. I, um, I am, especially when I like you. Mm. So it's like people stereotype me in terms of like dressing. Yeah. You know, some people meet me and they're like, oh, like I didn't expect you to be that, this type of person. And I know it's not about any other thing mm. other than the way I dress. Yes. Which is weird for me because it's like, I don't judge people based off of like their, uh, like appearance. Like yeah. if, if you like, be tatted from head to toe, if you like have piercings your face. It's the
0: Nigerian thing to judge It's Nigerian yeah.
2: thing to judge, you know, even with the SARS movements, like mm. majority of it is because of police like profiling young men mm-hmm. or young women based off of their appearance, their dreads. I'm not that type of person. So people's perception of me is like when they see me and I dress... Maybe risky in their terms. Mm. They think is that what that they
0: call
2: it? They say, they say I'm risky and there's my tattoos and I have a piercing. I heard
0: that you have like a lot of
2: tattoos. I would consider them a lot. How like, many? I mean, I've added like two more, but like. Maybe, How many are they? Maybe like 13.
0: Ha! <laughs> <laughs> maybe tattoo parlor. You should have <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is not a lot. Maybe like 13 or forty. I wouldn't consider that a lot, Sham. In my perspective, I've seen people, like, everywhere started. So, you, you,
0: can, you probably won't wake up one day and just have your own. No, I arm. definitely
2: okay. won't wake up one day and have my own yeah. sleeve. I think I'm actually done with, like, my tattoo, kidney, mm. rain and everything. So, it's like, people see me and stereotype me and everything. So, I always... And also, like, I don't think in the ways some or most Nigerians would think. I mean, yeah. like I said, I actually don't see people and profile them based mm. off of how they dress. So... You know, people grow up in like different families, and their families mm. have taught, like, taught them these ideologies or yeah. like how they should be. And yeah. you know, me, I have grown up in that as well. Like, I mean, I grew up with my granny that was a conservative Christian. Yeah. I was chapel prefect year eight to year twelve. I had to unlearn a lot of things as mm. well growing up. Mm. So it's like I don't think a lot of people have unlearned. Mm. So anytime I'm in a gathering, I always just feel like the ball out in terms yeah. of like appearance and everything. So obviously when I went to Big Brother, I stuck out. Maybe, I don't know, maybe to the public, not so much. But even me in that space among 25 other housemates, I knew that mm. I was just there sticking out. In terms of even if this was what I was wearing in Big Brother's house, I would have still because I have a very my personality is actually very strong as well. Yeah. And you know, like, I just say whatever is on my mind, irregardless of how the other person is feeling. Like, once I feel like that is the truth, I am going to say the truth. The only thing is I'm going to try to make that truth a little bit sweet in order not to hurt your feelings. Yeah. So a thing of, even if I had dressed the way like I am now, people would have still mm. seen me there being the sore thumb. So, you know... When I got into the house, I felt that way a lot mm. of times. But like I said, I didn't want to show it because I didn't want it to ruin my chances in the what, house.
0: What what your what was the relationship with the other housemates like? Did they make you feel like you actually stuck out? Did they intentionally just pick on you because you?
2: I wouldn't say anybody picked on me. At least not to my face. Sha. Yeah but um i would say that my perception one thing that god has granted me is strong perception discernment and i know how to discern it's me that goes against my discernment so there were some people that i knew didn't like me in the house and i did not get along with in the house at first like the first week i had already said oh no i don't think i'm going to get along with this person even just by looking at them when they walked in my spirit was already like no but like i said i tend to usually go against my spirit because i like to give people the benefit of doubt mm. so my relationship in the house with people in my perspective was okay i was nice to people that were nice to me and mm. the people that i didn't like and didn't like me back i didn't pretend to like them yeah that's one thing i can say for sure i don't i don't know how to pretend like if i don't like you, i don't like you and that's it mm. um you know i expected more because like i'm a feminist Obviously. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always going to be women first in terms of everything, mm-hmm. in terms of how women dress, mm-hmm. in terms of what they do with their bodies, mm-hmm. in terms of their presentation. For me, my philosophy in life is as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're not being negative to anybody, you have the right to leave terms on your own. And that is stronger for me in terms of women. So even going into the house, I only nominated one woman because I wanted a woman to so desperately win. Mm-hmm. But well, coming out of the house and seeing that the women that I liked didn't really like me back was kind of devastating for me. Mm. Not devastating because I do not know, but devastating in the sense where it's like, Oh, Angel, like you have shown them all the sides of you and they still chose to dwell on that mm. side of you, you know. Yeah. While me, I was just there, like giving everybody the free reign. How did that
0: make to- you feel? Did he, did he? Did you put a strain on your relationship with your, the rest of the housemates? Are you guys so cordial? Do you guys still do things together? Or are you just back to Angel the loner?
2: I think another thing that I hate most about me is like how forgiving that I am. Yeah, me too. I like, you can stab me in the chest. And if you tell me, oh Angel, I stabbed you because of this. I'll just be like, Okay. I will keep my distance, but I do not ha- know how to hold a grudge. Like, there's somebody that I'm not talking to at the moment and I miss that person so much, mm. but I've not reached out. Not because I hate the person, no, but because you have hurt me and let's just keep the distance. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, a lot of them have apologized to me or some of them, let me not say a lot, at least the ones mm. that offended me and I have apologized for the ways that mm. maybe I may have rubbed them off wrongly, mm. but it did hurt me, especially mm. the ones that I was so so, and I feel like I was genuine towards everybody. Like mm. in the, Okay, Per, for example, I didn't really like Perry in the house. Coming outside of the... And I never tried to pretend like I did like him. Coming outside of the house, Perry and I have such a beautiful relationship and he's such a phenom- ph- phenomenal person. But there's some people that I did actually like in the house and I came out, especially the women, because I won't lie to you, I don't really care for the opinions of, you know, men. I would actually be more sad if a woman insulted me <laughs> than if a man mm. is like, oh, yeah, you're stupid because, well, yeah. So, coming out to see, like, some of these women that I actually did, like, talking badly about me, mm. it was heartbreaking. Mm. You know, it was one of those instances where I felt like I had put my, all, or, or rather, I put my hat down. in my sleeve, on my sleeve, rather, and mm. I'd let my guard down and mm. they still ended up, you know, fucking me up. Not fucking me up, but, like, yeah, being mean towards me. While pretending to like me, do
0: you think there's unhealthy competition amongst you guys?
2: Yes, definitely. Because I mean, there's a lot
0: of things that I see online. I'm just like, yo, didn't these people all live in the same house for three months? But this level of vitriol against each other, like the things that you guys say about yourselves, the drama that ensues. With, I mean, it's just crazy. Do you think there's is this competition fueled by the fans or? It's, this is just beef from inside the house. So, why is that this some sort
2: of. I'll say it's both ways. Because coming into the industry is mm. you've been secluded from society for three months. That's if you're like me and you stayed until the finale. Even if you're not like me. The shade of it all. <laughs> even if you're not the like. Shade! <laughs> even if you're not like me and you stay two weeks, it's like. You had lockdown, so there's that lockdown phase plus the two weeks. So you have been secluded for like a month from society mm-hmm. and they just toss you into the industry. A lot of us that get into the industry, we're not in the industry. We don't before. know shit about the industry. We don't know shit about shit. So when you're coming out, you're coming out thinking, Oh, obviously people know me at that school or, mm. um, you know, I'm famous now. Brands are going to approach me. You're not knowing the details In of of like the intricacy of it all. Yeah. Then you come out and you're just tossed into the limelight. In the industry that you're not
0: aware of. Yeah. And nobody
2: knows how overwhelming it can be. Yes. And when you're out of the house, the first thing someone is telling you is ha. You have only one year old. Oh, <laughs> after one year like this, new housemates will come mm. ah, and everybody will forget you. Mm. <laughs> you can tell yourself, oh, um, you know, God is going to give me my own peace and if mm. I'm meant to be here, i meant to be here. But sometimes... But your brain receives that information and you go into panic mode. So now, even deals that don't matter that don't align with your brand, That at, let's not say cheap, Beneath but are offering you, you money that you have been offered more than. You take those deals. Because? Because you have external pressure from outside telling you, you have to do what you have to do so that one year from now, you'll be relevant. Also,
0: you want to seem like you're winning.
2: You also want to seem like, oh, I'm the biggest and I'm winning. Mm. Meanwhile, there might be a deal that you've announced that wasn't even, you know, in terms of all, all the other things that you've mm. collected, wasn't even up to par but you just Mm -hmm. did it not because you like the brand because personally for me i like to align myself with brands that love me and Mm -hmm. when i came out of the house i said it's like i want my brand to be so family oriented that i can tell one of my brands, oh, I'm not feeling too well today. Can I reschedule my deliverables? Mm. That's the type of relationship that I want to build. Mm. And I want my brand to be able to tell me, oh, Angel, you're not doing something well. Mm. Can you help us with this? Mm. I want to sit down and meet the people that invited me into their space to be like, oh, you know, Angel, let's talk about this. You know, a friendly working environment. Some people will accept deals and the working environment is not friendly. The pay is bad. Mm. It's just because like, as human beings, whether we like to admit it or not, especially as someone famous, you want people to validate you somehow. Yeah, You're doing work yeah. and you know that the work you're doing is great. Mm. But you see one person telling you, oh, she's not good or he's not mm. good. And that ultimately affects your whole day. Yeah. Even though there's like, millions of comments telling you you're doing amazing We always tend to focus on the the brand and even that one time where your brand is like oh angel or this person you haven't really done much for us even though your brand has been complimenting you since is that one you would dwell on now you've gone to your page to look at your page like ah angel What's happening? So, of course, like...
0: Then you start seeing things that make... That reiterate the fact that you're not that good. And then,
2: you know, obviously, with Big Brother comes fans. Mm. And sometimes, the fans go out of the way to tag you like, oh, yes. Mm. Like, my this person is better than you. My this Mm. person has more deals than you. You internalize those things whether we like to believe it or not. So, of course, in my perspective, of course, there's going to be competition. Not competition because you want to win more than this person. Mm. But competition because you want other people to mm. validate your yeah. experience. I'm like, oh yes, she or he is the reigning person. And honestly, I think a lot of us are struggling with that. Yeah. Because that's the one thing you struggle with. When you're putting your best, and then someone, even though the person is random, they don't know the person. You don't even know if the person has eaten today. You they too don't know if you have eaten today. Mm. You still want that stranger to validate you somehow. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's the whole human experience. How does this affect your mental health?
0: Because you you're a big advocate for mental health. You have gone, you have been in and out of depression. Mm-hmm. You you speak about it a lot. How, how, life after Big Brother, how how did they affect you?
2: I've gotten to a stage where I have to remind myself to not be scared to speak about my experiences. Yeah, because when I came out of the house, you know, I came out to a lot of old oh, mental health was my strategy. And I'm sorry to say, but... People say that. Yeah. Mm. And in my mind, I'm just like, why would I pander to people? I think that Nigerians have to be the least emotional, intelligent people. I agree. And for me, it's a thing of, why would I have, why would I want to pander to people that I know majority don't understand my experiences Mm -hmm. and they don't even understand themselves. It might be an experience that they're struggling with, but they don't even know they're struggling with. So they probably think is a thing of shame Mm. so for me coming out i'm seeing people tag me in mental patients, i went from wanting to speak about my experiences to wanting to shut up so that people would not think that oh i'm always sad Mm. half of the time when i'm tweeting oh i found that that this happened or i'm tweeting about like mental health related issues I'm treating it to give people a safe space, mm. which is exactly why I want to dive into like my mental health blogging and podcasting and everything. Yeah. Because like I have so many experiences that even if we start from now to today, mm. we cannot get everything on so It's like, can try. It's like I've struggled with so many things growing up, especially as a teenager that I want to give people the space that I didn't have. So when I came out, some people were like, Oh, she's a mental patient. She's always using her mental health as an excuse for this. For me, it's like one thing I know how to do that I even do too much is take accountability for my actions. Mm. Like if I know I've offended you, I'll say it. I won't say it's because I'm depressed or because I'm Mm. an occurrence. That's why I did it. So to come out and see that it made me want to go back to the space I was when I was younger. Mm. And I was so ashamed to talk about those things. Mm. Like, yes, I'm struggling. But like, I we all struggling mm-hmm, yeah. in some shape or some yeah. form? Like, we are all struggling and I feel like the society should be more accepting of that. So of course, like, sometimes, like, there's anxiety going online. I don't want to see someone tag me and be like, oh, she's a mental patient. Mm. I don't want to go online and be like, oh, she deflects using her mental health. Mm. I don't want to go online and be like, oh, she's this, she's that, mental health, this, mental health, that. I want to go online and tweet what I want to tweet in peace. Knowing that, one, I'm not shading anybody. And knowing that, two, I'm just talking about my experiences. And knowing that, three, the world should be more accommodating of people that are sensitive. Because mm. I am a sensitive person. Today, I will tweet real hot girl shits from now to <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> but I will go into my room.
0: And be. Mm. And
2: I will think about my life. Yeah. And I will talk to my friends. Mm. And... I will crave love and I'm so grateful for all those that surround me and give me the love that I need Mm. and deep down in me I know that I'm the softest most sensitive person in this world yes I'm a hot girl but that is by the side I'm a hot girl that is very sensitive so of Mm. course like my mental health has been affected in some capacity or form in the sense where I got to a stage where I was actually scared to voice out that you know that mm-hmm. I was struggling I got to a stage where I was scared to start my mental health blog it hasn't started until it hasn't even started uh, till now what because I'm so scared from? like people will think oh this is just another one of her antics yeah. or one of her things when really in reality me I just really want to help people because like nobody helped me when I was struggling
0: really? people have been talking even before you got into the house so they're gonna keep First. talking after mm-hmm. and I mean we're having a conversation um <clears throat> about like sustaining your life after Big Brother, just before we got on the on the show and you were just telling me things that I could actually relate to, like the anxiety that hits you after the house and trying to sustain your mm-hmm. life, too many things that you have to deal with, right? How are you dealing with these things now?
2: I mean, you know, before my go-to is to be praying. Yeah. But when you're pushed into something like this, you actually realize that you don't have much time for praying. Or maybe you're so caught up in the...
0: Yeah.
2: Rigor role of all of it. Yeah. That you actually sit down one day and think, Fuck, I haven't prayed today. Yeah. And then you even have anger too. Sometimes you wish like, Why did I even get into this anyway? Do you sometimes regret going to Big Brother? Yes. I regretted it today as I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing happened with, Yeah, I just woke up and I was just like, Angel, nobody sends you a message. Other oh, thing they do too. Yes. It's like, who sent you a message? You could have been, I mean, I know I was not in the best places, you mm. know, but I was okay. For my age, yeah. I was doing perfectly okay for my age. Yeah, And it's, for me, it's just like, nobody sent you. And then there are days where you're grateful and then there are mm. days where you're just angry at God, like God, why this, so you
0: know? The days where you are not feeling like, oh, why, or the days where you're feeling like, oh, why did I go for me, brother? Is it because of, the fans and the trolling and the people pulling you left to right and center. And do you, so, do you sometimes feel misunderstood by everybody else except yourself?
2: Yes. It's a mixture of everything. I will say that out of the big brother house, I think I'm definitely, maybe, maybe I'm over exaggerating, but I think I have to be the one that is most misunderstood
1: mm-hmm.
2: in what's in the, like, I can just tweet something random and somebody will come to me and be like, you're yeah, trolling this person. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in my mind, I'm just tweeting to tweets. Half of the time, I actually do not know what's happening on the TL. I just tweet and go and I come back and I see that people are in my comment section mm-hmm. or in my quotes dragging me saying that I'm, um, you know. So, like, there are days where I feel like that because obviously the trolling will get too much because sometimes you actually want to go online and have fun, you know. Yeah. You want to go online and um, go back to how it was before Big Brother or before you became somewhat famous. You want to tweet knowing that maybe, like, people will understand like your mutuals because before Big Brother you have mutuals that mm. when you tweet something they already know your perspective where you're coming from because mm-hmm. you choose your following at this point. Yeah. But as a Big Brother it's like everything now they think rather yeah, like that everything, everything surrounds, you know, you being in the house, your friendships, like as if before Big Brother, you didn't have any friends prior mm. or you didn't have any relationships per So on some days, like, yeah, I think sometimes the fans have to do with it. You know, adjusting to the industry because you're just thrown in it has to do with it. There's so much anxiety because like I said, people tell you outside, yeah, new housemates mm. are coming. Mm. You want to overcompensate. Mm. Even though deep down in your heart, you have, you look at your page. And you even. Yeah. internally you know that you've worked your hardest and you're trying your best but you have that knowledge in your head telling you oh you have to do harder and you don't even get to rest so yes of course like the trolling is a part of it like Mm. you just want to have a good day sometimes like let's say you're already trolling and you just come online to laugh now it's something and someone takes it out of context Or even, you know, brands, like you want to work Mm. and meet the expectations. But the thing about working is that, to be honest, you can never really meet everybody's expectations, to be fair. So you want to do and overcompensate. And you also want to, you know, be the best out there. Like you want people to be like, oh, in her sets or in his sets, she's Mm. the best or she was the best. So, there's now that unhealthy competition. So, now you're just going through life anxious, mm. worried. You know, I have worried about a lot of things since <sighs> I got out of big brother. I have been like... worrying is my food, my breakfast and lunch. I have been like, Angel, what if you no longer get deals again? What next? Oh, that's it. Do you? Ah, ah, nah, I was like, that, Angel, what if you don't get any deals again? What next? Okay, you do? Do you know that
0: sometimes I wake up in the morning, right? The devil just needs me to play that morning. If you just start like, oh my God, this is your life now you just stuck when you book anything
1: mm-hmm. what
0: are you doing with your life and because we're just flipping through pictures on social media comparison is so easy yes there's be somebody like, that's yeah. created their life for us, giving us their life in filter and in, in a nice reel so we think that oh we're not doing as much and we can just get into a cycle where you're just overthinking and overthinking and you almost become depressed
2: <laughs> it's crazy like I have asked myself I'm like Angel hey what next and I also ask myself, I'm like, well, Angel, you want to write and stuff like that. Mm. Okay, Angel, how about you marketing your writing to be profitable? Mm. So I always find myself asking myself, mm. what's next? And I won't lie to you. I haven't sat down to be like, Angel, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Since I got out of big be brother. And I have achieved so much. I've gotten a house. Hmm. You know, Ke-ke-ka-ka. I've gotten deals. You have a new, I've brand worked, new car. I've worked in fucking Oppo. I love it. It's like, Angel, sit down and be like, count your wins. Angel, you're doing so amazing for yourself. Yeah. I, I never find myself doing that. I just look at myself like, Angel, there's something else that you're not doing that you could be doing more, you know. Mm. I've actually sat down to be like, Angel, live in the moment and mm. acknowledge that you're just 22. You just turned 22 in February. You're doing so well. And you're doing so well for yourself. It's hard to remember that, you know, when you're just pushing to this
0: Yeah, I think it happens to all the creatives. And, and, and some of us, we're so attached to our self worth is so attached to what we achieve. So when we get a new win, we're a bit, we're, we're okay for the moment, but what's next? Yeah. Because we attach our self worth to it. But I, I think one of the things that's helped me over time is to practice gratitude. So maybe you can journal and just keep writing all the things that you're grateful for. So that when you're in this state, you just, revert to it and just probably help you because trust me I, I've been there That days where it takes my friends to remind me but you're the one that did this you're the one that did this mm-hmm. you're the doing this but I was like eh but I should be doing more do you understand yeah. then so I I understand where you're coming from but I, I I think that that's how you can handle it just be more grateful one of the things I also do is like you know me I'm a Jesus boy so I ask Jesus for everything and and, and this because I got to a point where I was feeling so empty after all the things that I had done for myself and I have mm-hmm. achieved. I was just so numb and so empty. It was like, oh my god, what's next? So, also anxiety was also part of my problem because I would anxious about everything. How you sit on this couch? How the lights will hit your face? I was like, oh my god, these guys! I would panic. I would be shouting. I mean, it's like, oh no, I'm, I can't continue in this in this cycle. So, I started doing lots of Jesus. I asked Jesus for everything. How I should be? It's, what color? Of perfume, what? everything I ask God for. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can try that as well. Yeah. But what what is, what is in the works for you? So you have mentioned, um, podcasting, um, your writing, you're also done a lot of work with big brands, OPPO, Iyowo, Iyowo, right? Sorosky. So you're, you're a big madame. Well, I understand, but I understand how you feel about your work. So,
2: yeah.
0: What's next? Like, and when do you want to start? Give us time. so saw we can, even if, even if you don't do it at the time, because it's call you and say, enjoy, you're missing something.
2: Or, yeah. yeah. You know, actually, I just opened like a YouTube. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a lifestyle girl. You know, I like to document like the definitely. things that I'm doing. So I'm looking to use my YouTube as a lifestyle content thing. Mm-hmm. You know, not only just for fun. sha. I know that YouTube pays, but you know, it's gradual work. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm definitely looking at releasing a book. Everybody has been asking me when is the book, when is the book. And for me, it's just like, creative blog, please allow me to chill and take my time with it mm. so that's definitely in the works I feel like the one that I'm getting into immediately is my podcasting mm-hmm. you know slash talk show I feel like it would I feel like it just fits me you know yeah. as a person you know I'm really chatty because if you talk you can talk I know yeah I'm open to, <laughs> I'm open to experiences I'm yeah. not judgy at all so like if somebody tells me something yeah. now that everybody's like <gasps> I just feel like hmm that's interesting also, you
0: really know? more I've, Advocates for mental health. Because yes, definitely. More than ever, especially with the advent of social media, our generation, we're going to be so depressed. We're going to be everywhere,
2: Especially the, you know, people that are out there. Yes. It's it's like, I want us to have conversations that no one is talking about. Mm-hmm. And even if people are talking about, like they're talking about in like costumes yeah. so that people don't drag them Mm-hmm. and you know that's why I want to start the podcast and the mm-hmm. mental health blog you know I already created like a subscriber's email so that people can you know go there and see what's up you know because mm-hmm. there's so many things that society teaches us to be ashamed of yep. that we shouldn't be ashamed of mm-hmm. personally me it's just big brother like coming out of big brother that try to get me to become ashamed again Personally, not me ah! I dropped shame oh, me. a long time ago. It's a very powerful place to be. Oh. I dropped shame a long time ago in terms of like presentation and like saying things that people, like now, people, you know, society teaches people that are assault victims to shut up about it. Mm-hmm. It's only now that people are more vocal, vocal about it. About it. Or like me, I would say it's like, not because I want you to pity me, but because yes, I have experienced this. Mm. And the shame shouldn't be on me. The burden shouldn't be on Mm. me. It should be on on the person Mm. that assaulted me. Mm. It should be on... So like, I want us to have conversations that people think are not okay to have because society has trained us that, oh yes, we should carry this thing with us as a thing of shame. No, it's not us. It's not us to feel... I'm so excited for this because you know...
0: I've been reading a lot about shame and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I mean, Brene Brown has a lot of books on it and research. You do not realize how much shame is such a powerful tool. Yeah. In terms of our relationships, people who we decide to be with, the things that we decide to do, like, it's crazy. Like, shame is the major reason why people don't feel like they belong. Because of judgment. Mm -hmm. It's a major reason why some people don't have friends. It's the same... That's true. And there's this list of things. So people think that it's big shame. Oh, yeah. Rape and all the other things that yes. assault and everything. There's but also
2: the tiny ones. The tiny the ones the tiny
0: of, ones. oh, I told my friend that, oh, maybe I had an STD and he judged uh, me. Ah, yeah. So next time I don't want to talk to them. I don't them. want to talk to them about so, it. So like, it's just things that you should be able to confide in your friend and the next person because they will also project their shame on you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, shame is such a huge thing. Like when I, I the, when I first came out of the house, I was like, oh, I'll shame when I was 17. So many people told me about that. that oh, that's why, she, she, that's why she's the way she is. Mm. I do not mean shame in that sense. I meant mm. shame in the sense where something has happened to me. Mm. And I'm talking to this person. Mm. I don't want the person to carry their own body mm. or their own projection on me. Mm. I'm saying that thing. And if you, you're uncomfortable with what I have said, even in terms of like STDs, like, you know, people are so scared to tell their friends, oh, I got an STD. Mm. Why? Because if, you know, the immediate human reaction is to think, oh, this person is promiscuous. Yes. A virgin can have sex today and get an STD Mm. because the person that he or she has slept with Mm. is not Ah. the best. (laughs) For for lack of a better word. So it's like all of those things are the tiny, tiny shame that, you know, society like, you know, imbibes in us. And, I just need everybody to unlearn it. Even me, I'm still trying to unlearn shame too, in terms sister. of, you know, like my, you know, friendships, mm-hmm. in terms of like my relationships. And this one now with shame, like love shame, because like, as I said, I'm such a soft hearted mm-hmm. person and I'm such a lover girl yeah. that if they break my heart like this, I'll be in bed listening to Adele. So, So, you know,
0: that's the beauty about life. And I, I, and I think that, that woman really helped me, the, the author, Brene Brown, I think one of the most powerful things she ever said was, you know, like sometimes we go through life being afraid to be vulnerable because of things that we have been through, mm-hmm. But realize that the moment you shut down vulnerability, you shut down your, you shut down the access to love because to, to be loved and to feel you like to you, loved, you have to be
2: vulnerable. And that's something I struggle with. I hate I'm you. I'm dead too as well. But I then again, I'm just so like, vulnerable. you know what?
0: So because what she literally said is that true belonging means that you have to bring your whole self as you yeah, are. as you are. So fitting is what people do in, in Lagos where they just come and oh, this is how I have to talk to fit in this circle. This has yeah. to be, I don't have to have this candle. Oh, they will choose me when I do these things. But the real belonging, that means wholehearted living with your friends and people that you love is when you actually just present yourself
2: as, as you, you are.
0: are. And I think that's why a lot of Gen Z's fuck with you because you present yourself as you are and that's what that generation is about. Shout out to... I, I feel like I joined Gen Z's boy. I'm not 25
2: years. Gen Z. Yeah, you're but I, I was raised
0: by my granny, so it's hard. I get what you I mean are very sometimes granny I feel yeah. very I'm just like, hmm, I don't yeah. Know what's this.
2: Sometimes when I talk people, are like, are you sure you're 22? I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm 22. I just grew up with yeah. someone really older. But shame is such... And it's such a theme in Nigeria. Like... Mm. You know, even me, like, I'm just like, if I see a guy that I like now, and we're talking, and my brain is just like, angel, trouble signals. <laughs> I've just removed myself from that equation. Because I don't want to hear that I like you, or I love you, and I'm so fucking in love with you, and you don't love me back. I can't die! Yes, that, that level just, of
0: vulnerability kills me. Yes,
2: and it's just, I don't want to be vulnerable, I don't want to be ashamed, I don't want to mm. feel rejected. So people are like, Do you have to get married? I'm just like, no, that's even though deep down, like if I first down to marry me now, come along, I'm out. A- <laughs> <laughs> I've let you guys bye bye. But you know <laughs> the people that are most in
0: touch with their vulnerability are the most powerful people. Yeah. So it's big people that that we, we with every other day. Mm -hmm. Even me, I'm one of them, one of the weakest ones. If I smell, say you want to overdo, I don't want. I'm in the middle Because nobody should
2: use me to do, I'm I'm kind of like in the middle. Because like, there are days where I'm so strong and Mm I'll tell you, look, I'm in love with you. If you're not in love with me, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Are there days where, I cannot even open my mouth to be like, I love you. Yes. Let, don't come and share me again. Don't worry, bad
0: business is a good Bad be But yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna do good. I'm I'm very happy that this is where you are. I'm looking forward to all the things that you're gonna do um going forward. Um you're such a bright light. i I've never had this conversation. I've never had a conversation with you this long. which is mm-hmm. highs and hellos, but you're so brilliant and I'm looking forward to like the amazing things you're gonna do with yourself. And also I, I have to say this, and I'm going to say this also with the Gen Zs as well. I think that you guys are the generation that, or we are the gener- generation that's going to break a lot of yes. barriers, family, trauma, causes, different things, emotional, but we're going to break a lot of things because we are working so hard to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. And this level of, you know, Before now, right? I don't think even the millennials had the audacity to be themselves the way they are They are now. Because genesis are the ones giving them the audacity. Yeah. Because genesis apply themselves as they are. We have learned too many things of how to be, how not to be. And that's why people might not understand you. Because maybe how you dress and everything. Because they've associated that with promiscuity. Yeah. But you are showing them that you can be getting your own life, doing well. And still dress as you like and be a bad bitch.
2: Yeah. Shout out to you, Angel. Shout out.
0: Cheers to you, Angel, and all the amazing things you're going to do going forward.
2: Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.
1: Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials
2: you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.